I look out and I see myself amongst my family. So much so that I got a confession to make. And even Becky doesn't know. Last Saturday night, Paul Daniels and the quartet had a wonderful gathering here in this room. Gospel music. I wish I could sing, but I try my best. But I'd be there with Paul and his friends, and I tell you, it just moves my heart. And when it moves my heart, something takes over within me because I know that the spirit is just being roused within inside of me. And what a wonderful evening it was. So when I got out, I walked out into the parking lot and got into the car and on K KMBI and that song was on the radio. And I took off down the road singing all four parts. Got down to one light and hitting the second verse. I'm moving now. Waymaker. I'll tell you, even the windows were vibrating. And then I looked up and I saw Christmas lights in my mirror. It's too early for Christmas. I came back to reality. Pulled over, rolled the window down. Roll, I didn't roll it. I pushed the button. I, you don't roll anymore, do you? It was a sheriff. Is that good or bad? I thank the Lord this was an awesome guy. He walked up to me. He says, ah, do you realize that you're kind of going fast? And I said, I am sorry, officer. I was having a spiritual revival. I call it like I see it. And he says, that's okay. That's good to have that. But you exceeded. So he took my, took my license. He didn't even get my insurance or anything. He just keep that. So he walked back to the car. And I went, oh, no. What am I going to tell Becky? The song had petered out as well as me. <laughs> He comes back to the car. I said, I am so sorry, officer. He said, you know what? Just drive a little slower in the future, okay? I said, I will. I will. I'll use cruise control when I sing, okay? <laughs> but I said, I want to thank you. And I shook his hand. I said, thank you for your grace. He gave me grace. Because he let me drive away with a warning. Whether I shouldn't sing, I'm not sure what the warning was for. Either that or not to drive as fast. But I will try to retrain from, refrain from singing without cruise control. So see, honey, the story worked out so good. Maybe it was meant to be today with this song. And, and that way you couldn't be mad at me with all my family.
God is good, isn't he? He is a joy. But my heart did drop when I saw the Christmas lights. This morning, we're going to be keeping life in focus. You know, life is like a safari. Don't you see that? It's a journey. It's a jungle at times that we need to be able to be focused. I'm glad I have in my office these handy-dandy things that I can take out with me to make sure I keep myself in focus when I do visitations with people. You're too close. Just a minute. Oh, there you go. You're back in the back of the church now. Uh, look at all you happy people back there in the back. I know your names and I know where you live. So no falling asleep today, folks. Focus. You know, we take so much in granted, for granted in life. Our eyes. I want us to take a look at a piece of text here found in the scriptures. A text that to me is packed full of what Paul wants us to see. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Powerful text. But really, to get into this text, we have to kind of dissect it and take it piece by piece. Because I know what resonated with me when I first read it was... No, dear brothers and sisters, I'm talking to you. I have not achieved it. I haven't. I am a sinner. I am broken. And by God's grace and your love, I have the opportunity to stand here today before you. I have not achieved it. Maybe you have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, focus. That word focus. I know for myself personally, when I read that, something happened in my mind that took me to a place. As a small boy, growing up and watching my dad with his Argus C3 camera, Everywhere he went, he had his camera. You think cameras are bad now. <laughs> you see those two little dots? <laughs> That's all you have to look through. And a split image rainfinder. But my dad shot pictures of everything. I think maybe it was my dad that drew me to a passion and a love for photography. But I remember so much of him with the camera. 
and so much on how he was, well, even though the relatives would yell at him, Herb, put that camera away for crying out loud. We can't eat. But my dad shot, and I have slide cases full and full of family and memories, precious memories that since my father has passed away, and my mom as well, those memories are still there. But my dad loved to do things with his hands, not only photography. He, he would do cross-stitch, counter-cross-stitch. And, and if you were to come to our house, you would see two of them on the, by the front door, the what he first made. And I tell you, those were detailed. He almost had to use a magnifying glass to make sure that he got every little cross-stitch just perfect. And if I remember correctly, each one of them almost took close to nine months to do because of the detail within it. And he was focused on the detail, and he loved it. And that was just the beginning of many, many cross-stitches that he made for people, for family, for my sisters, for so many people. But yet his eyes that God gave to him allowed him to be able to do this with his hands. When they moved from Grandview to Yakima, where my sisters live and the rest of the families, he was looking forward to be able to get his own garage with all the shop stuff because, see, he made toys for Christmas time for kids, and he made wonderful gifts, and he loved to make sawdust. He said, that's all I do is just make sawdust. These things just come out of the sawdust. And then after they moved and he had his own shop, macular degeneration hit him. And if you're familiar with what that is, it's a dark spot within the middle of your vision that's like taking a, <laughs> a dot and covering your pupil. He had to quit driving. He definitely had to quit the saws. <laughs> he couldn't work in the shop. But he even couldn't do the cross-stitch anymore. But I never heard him complain. He had a wonderful spirit about it. He had a wonderful attitude about it. As time went past, my mom got ill. She fell, but then again, too, she passed away about 14 years ago. And it was a loss for him, and he got put placed in a home in, in a beautiful, wonderful home in Yakima. But all this time, my dad was still having problems seeing. It's something that never goes away. You have it for the rest of your life. I know for myself, I experienced visual problems, but I knew that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. You like that? A light at the end of the tunnel because I knew I would be able to see again. But my dad couldn't say that. He loved to watch the Mariners baseball, baseball games, and he would sit kind of at an angle beside the TV, and if you looked kind of out of the sides of his eyes, he could watch the game. See, my dad adapted to the situation that he was put in. He made the best out of a bad situation. Wow. And he, wanted, he had a wonderful attitude about it. An attitude that I know that for myself, hmm, I want to be like him. 
But in reading this text, Paul says, I want to focus on this one thing, not ten, not five, not three, but one thing. What, what is that one thing? Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. My dad could have wallowed in the past. My, could have, my dad could have complained about the hardship that he was experiencing of the past. Maybe you've experienced that, that you've had a hardship or a problem in your life, and it just doesn't seem fair. Maybe you've had a problem that you said, Lord, please forgive me. And the Lord does. Praise God. He forgives you. But what do you do about it? You keep it. You keep it. I've told you before in my counseling training, they call it junk in the trunk. I've demonstrated this before, but you know what? We all have a tendency to do it. We get up in the morning, we get dressed, and off we go. And we take the things with us that really God has even forgiven. We take the things with us that we can't seem to get over. We take the things with us that are lies that the enemy tells us. We take these things everywhere. We go out to dinner, party for two, no, two and three bags, please. We we take them with us. Why? I have no idea. But for some reason, we like this junk in the trunk so much that we just can't seem to get away from it. We have a hard time understanding the fact that God loves us so much that that stuff has already been forgiven. It's the enemy who reminds us of the junk in the trunk. It's the enemy that keeps telling you, you're not worthy. Look at your track record for crying out loud. Look at all these mistakes that you have done. But he only tells you so much. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You know my story. I was raised in the Methodist church. Thank the Lord, Becky came into my life. And through her, the message of the Adventist, I heard it for the first time. I fell in love with it. But all of a sudden, my thoughts and my beliefs different from my family. But you know what? That's okay. It's okay. But when my mom had passed away and my dad lived in the place where he was at, he was very social, quite a social butterfly, which I was so proud of. He had three ABN on his TV. Not even thinking about it. Dad would come and visit with us on Thanksgivings 
and we would like to have him here and maybe we'd have him maybe for three or four days but the fact was he would just love to come and play cribbage now a man who has macular degeneration playing cribbage seems kind of ridiculous right well the board that he brings with him is a big made board like this and the pegs are as size as my pinky but he loved cribbage and we would play cribbage on the on the counter there and I'd say dad you know we start talking. But the last time he was with me, Dad, where's Mom? I just thought, let's just get it on the table. Where's Mom? Because all he heard from her memorial service was, she's in heaven. All I was taught as a child, she's in heaven. He looked at me and he said, Fred, she's asleep in the grave. Oh. <sighs> So I asked him some other questions about things that I knew that I believed in. I knew that he believed in. All of a sudden, eternal burning hell? No, that's, that's not there either. <sighs> the rapture? Uh-uh. <sighs> I had a moment by myself with my dad who was sharing with me things that he said that he saw off of the TV watching these gentlemen on Saturday morning. And I can't help but think that the Holy Spirit moves within each one of us the way that he wants to move us. He didn't even incorporate me into the picture. I wasn't standing on his door preaching to him every weekend. The Holy Spirit does that. I saw a change in him. I saw a man as he started to come to the end of his life who was at peace with himself because he knew, he knew what was ahead of him at the end of the race. So when I did the memorial service for him, I was able to end the service with a revised statement of 2 Timothy 4, 7 to 8. And I wish I had the chance to have shared this with him when he was alive. But I didn't. Dad... You have fought the good fight. You have finished the race. You have served the Lord faithfully. Now a prize is waiting for you, the crown that will show that you are right with God. The Lord, the judge who judges rightly, will give it to you, Dad. On that day, yes, he will give it to you and to everyone else who is eagerly looking forward to his coming. I wish I could have shared that with him when he was alive to hear me say it. But it's not too late for me. It's not too late for you because I know I have a lot of dads sitting in these pews. God will say, good, good job, faithful servant. You have done your work he wants to uphold. He wants to uplift you. He wants us to realize that we should not ponder upon the past, but look forward to what lies ahead. And too often, too often, we take our eyes off of the prize. 
what I want us to do is look at the four things that lead us of importance of focus. Bear with me this morning. In this one book called The Bondage Breaker by Neil Anderson, I found it quite interesting because as a young age, I realized that, you know, all that I needed to do was to keep my eyes on Jesus. And he paints a picture in this book, and I'm very visual, so I can just see it right here. It's like I'm standing at the end of a road, and Jesus is at the end of the road, and there are buildings all along the side. And as I walk down this road, all that Jesus wants me to do is to keep my eyes on him. But what the enemy does is he has everybody else that he's in charge of yell out of the windows of the building that I pass. To yell at me, to distract me, to take my focus off of the prize, which is Jesus Christ, and turn my attention to you, to you, to you. They can call me names. They can belittle me. They can say things that would truly offend me. But really, these are just words that the enemy uses to get my goat, to get my attention. Jesus is saying, Fred, keep your eyes on me. When I shared this with some people in a study, they said, Fred, that isn't fair. Look at all of this around you that can distract you. And all that Jesus is asking you to do is focus on him. Yes, it isn't fair. This world isn't fair, is it? There's nothing fair about this world. The only thing fair is that Christ came and saved us. We are victorious, standing here, looking down the road in the eyes of Jesus and says, that's what's fair, is to worship that Savior who died for me. That's what's fair. Not to pay attention to the things on the outskirts, the peripheral vision. It's hard. It is very hard. And this whole book talks about the tactic that the enemy uses to get your attention to take your eyes off of Christ and believe you me, I am guilty of it myself. I stand before you a broken Christian, a broken child of God. I stand before you a sinner who is not perfect. And the enemy knows my weaknesses as well. So therefore, I struggle at times to keep my eyes upon Christ, but I need to stay focused. I need to stay focused. When it says here that focus will put our priorities in order, Paul said one thing I do, not ten things, nope, not two, not four. He says one thing that he does. And that is to define your goal. Define your goal, and then that goal will define you. Too often we allow the world to define the goal for us. You have a responsibility. You have the freedom of choice, a wonderful gift that God gives to us. The freedom of choice. 
to be able to choose what it is you so choose to focus upon. But choose that goal and let that goal define who you are. Scripture says, by beholding Him, we will be changed. By beholding Him, focus on Him. Focus will give us a forward mindset. Too many of us today spend our time looking around us. We take in the stuff that's around the world, the worst, looking behind us. And of course, too, when you look behind us, that's when all of a sudden the regret and the bags of things that we have behind us surface. That's when the enemy takes the opportunity to bring to your mind that you are not worthy enough to even be a child of God. We have to have a mindset of looking forward. Focus enables us to begin to see our glass half full instead of half empty. I think it's important for us to be positive. It's important for us to believe in a God that already has the victory and that we have the victory as well. In fact, that glass isn't half full, it is full. And it's by Jesus Christ that I have that glass. Focus will set us on the second mile. You ever heard the turn, you know? Go one, go a second mile. Give them... Shower them with love. Shower them with, with grace. Shower them with, if you're going to take someone a mile, go to. Go in abundance of doing more than just what you're asked to do. When you're in this world, take the opportunities to go the second mile. Not just what is being asked of you, but to go the second mile. To be there for people in ways that possibly, well, it's a witness to them when they see your whole lifespan taking that into place. Focus enables us to begin to see, or see. Um, focus brings a passion to our work that instills us to have a desire to what is required. Paul says, I press, I press. See, my dad, my dad once he started to understand in his thinking the process of Jesus and, and the whole different process in his journey, he was at peace, and he pressed forward knowing very well what was going to happen to him. Paul says, press forward, keeping your eyes forward, keeping your attention forward, and going the extra mile. Focus and able to know where we are going. I've had many times people come into my office and say, Pastor Fred, I don't have a purpose in life. I feel lost. I don't know where I'm heading. Have you ever felt like that? Hmm. If we go through life just floundering and have no direction, the enemy will be more than happy to give you one. He'll be more than happy to provide you opportunities for you to focus on, to tie up your time and whatever it is that you feel good about yourself. But if it isn't the purpose that God wants you. Th there's a book that I go through 
for a study. And in fact, I got two ladies that I'm going through with it now. And that's the Purpose Driven Life book with Rick Warren. At the very beginning, I was using this book incorrectly. I was trying to help the individual find out their purposes and their goals and their gifts, when in reality, that's not what it's about. I should have read the very first line of this book because it makes it very, very clear. The very first line in this book says, it's not about you. Whoa. Pastor Fred, I want purpose. What do I do? And I go, it's not about you. I never looked at it that way. This whole thing is about God. What is his purpose for you? That is our challenge. That is our objective to find out what is it that God wants for me. Long story short, he wants us to be Christians on fire to go out and spread the gospel message to the world. Because we're so excited with the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, that we can't stay quiet. Because we receive so many blessings when we realize when God is in charge, when God is in charge, I have nothing to fear. Sometimes we can screw up the whole picture and we can focus on the wrong things. I know for myself, when I got into photography back many, many years ago, and at that time we had film, but the autofocus wasn't into play yet. And so therefore, when I took a picture, I had to manually focus the picture. And you know what? To this day, even on my camera who has the autofocus in it, I prefer to do the manual. Why do you think that is? Because a lot of time, the focus that the camera gives to you is not the thing that you want focused. Have you ever experienced that? Now the iPhone, that's taken over everything. And that has a wonderful autofocus on it, but guess what? Have you ever tried to take an iPhone and focus on the inside of a tulip? Doesn't work. God wants us to be intentional. He says, Fred, I want you to focus on something specific that I have given to you, which means you're going to have to be deliberate, Fred, to turn the ring, to focus on what it is I want you to see. And then what you see, I want you to focus on that and be able to learn to grow from that. Maybe it's something that will give me glory, something that we can do together. But the thing is, I have to manually be dependent upon myself moving the ring. I think we can get ourselves in trouble if we go through life in autofocus. Technology is nice, but sometimes it comes by paying a price. Focus is the fountainhead of successful living. It helps us begin our task with end in mind. 
fountainhead, principal source. It's the principal source of our life, which is the focus of everything that we do. It's important to be intentional. It's important to seek God to help that. Do not let the world have its influence upon you when it comes to what life should be like. We need to be able to have it to help us to keep our task, the end, the kingdom. We, you ever heard the terminology? We need to make kingdom decisions here on this earth. We need to make decisions here that will apply to the kingdom once Christ comes and takes us home. This is what he wants us to focus upon. So the question that we have to ask ourselves, so what is your goal in Christian living? What is the crosshairs of your scope? I'm not a hunter, but I will go out hunting with my camera. And I can put the crosshair, the center, onto something that I want specifically to capture. So what is in your crosshairs? When Pastor Eric was here, he shared with me and he shared with us many times a statement that I think is very appropriate. What gets in us gets us and what gets us gets reported in our thoughts, attitudes, words, and actions. That's pretty heavy when you start thinking about it. What gets in you gets you and what gets you gets reported by our thoughts attitudes words and actions it becomes a part of who we are whether we realize it or not when we begin to focus on Christ alone we find that he will put our priorities in order. And we have to make a choice. We have to be intentional and not just sit back and say, okay, Lord, do your thing. We have to be intentional. But being intentional is that we have to allow him to take his hand and affect us in our lives. He will give us a forward look he will set us on the second mile. And he will let us clearly see the end from the beginning. Notice all the he's. Who's the one who does this? Me? No, it's God. But unfortunately, we come into this world as a sinner, don't we? We come into this world with the same kind of thinking that maybe Lucifer had when he was up in heaven and he rebelled because in Isaiah says, Lucifer, it's all about you. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. See, Lucifer had a self-centered focus. He looked upon himself. He did not look upon God of what he wanted. We can have that same problem today. We can have that same problem of being so self-centered that we don't even ask God what it is that you want from me. And that has to be prevalent. For us to be followers of Christ, we have to ask him every day, Lord, what is it that you want from me? What is it that you ask of me? How can I be of service to you at the supermarket, the gas station, to my neighbors, wherever it may be? How can I be of service to you? 
outward focus, not inward focus. So the question is, Pastor, how do we do this? Well, meditate on Christ and on Him alone. The Scripture says in Psalms 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. And I know that there are those in this room, myself included, that is not always an easy task to do is to be still and meditate and think upon Him. But that's what He's asking for. He doesn't want the influence of the world to jump in, to, to distract us. He wants us just to focus, read the Scriptures, let us dwell upon Christ, on who He is and what He has done for us. These are our marching orders for us to leave here today. Put him in the crosshairs and do that one thing that you do for the glory of his name. What is it that you find, it may be a gift that God has given to you, that you can give God the glory for? A wonderful gift, a beautiful gift. Even small children can have a gift that they can glorify God with. The talents, the music, the singing, the sharing. Small children visiting people in nursing homes or a hospital, the neighbors. Do something that will help you be the one thing that will bring God the glory. Keep your life in focus by keeping Christ in the center of it. I can't get away from this picture here in this bondage breaker. Christ has got to be in the center of my vision. And no, it doesn't seem fair that the enemy has all of this out here to distract me. But I shouldn't worry about that. I shouldn't even ponder upon that. Because the victory has already been won. All he is asking of me is to focus upon him. So in doing so, I come across the text here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 22. Always be joyful. What? Always? Did I read that correctly, Charlie? Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. I didn't in the car, officer. I really didn't. I did not stifle the Holy Spirit at all. I was moved. Do not scoff at prophecy, the Scriptures, God's Word, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. This should be a text on your mirror in the bathroom every morning. In fact, you'll see in your bulletin, the handout, the text is written down. And I can't help but go back to my dad. Because even when I would call him or I would go visit with him, 
He always ended, thank you, thank you, Fred, for coming to see me. Thank you, thank you, Fred, for calling me. He was so joyful over the little things. I believe he was a man of prayer. I remember him praying for me many years ago. But see, he made the best out of bad circumstances. And I can see him in this text. And as time progressed, the Holy Spirit worked in his life in ways that I may never know. To have him, even with macular generation, to see Christ and heaven clear than maybe I ever could. These words are meant for us. These words are meant for us. So this morning as you leave here, keep your life in focus by keeping Christ in the center of it. Doesn't seem to be that hard. But I'll guarantee you, you can't do it alone. You will fail if you try. You need your Savior's strength. You need His guidance. You need His counsel. You need His arms to help you to stay focused on Him. Because that's where it's at. If I want to fulfill what God has for me, the Scripture says in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and I'll take care of all the rest, Fred. Seek, focus on Christ. And in doing so, you will have that crown placed upon your head when you go home. A crown that is waiting specifically for you. This morning I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you as families, as couples, as individuals. Starting tomorrow, I challenge you to read the Gospel of Luke, 24 chapters. Read one chapter a day. One chapter a day. So when December 25 comes, you will have just digest the life of Christ. There's no better way to focus on Him than to read it from God's Word. But don't be selfish and keep it to yourself. Do it as a family with your children, your spouses. Make it real. And look for Jesus in every chapter that you read. Because it's all about Him. It's all about Him. Oh, Father, we thank You this morning for Your presence, for the Spirit moving in a mighty way, for helping us see the importance of of where we need to focus and that truly is upon you. We struggle at times, we have difficulties, but yet we know that you are victorious and that the enemy has no place in our lives. 
and that you are there loving us unconditionally so we have nothing to fear about the garbage and the trash that we carry with us because it has nothing to do with our relationship. You are a God who forgives us, loves us, cares for us, and draws close to us every moment of every day, and we thank you for that. May we leave here different today. May we leave here with a desire and a plan and a goal and a focus of getting to know you more. Thank you, Father, for this Thanksgiving time. Thank you for the season coming up that we celebrate your birth. Just thank you for who you are and for your grace. In your loving son's name I pray.